Hello and a very warm welcome to our NICE Guideline Update podcast for October 2023. This is your 8 to 10 minute overview of any developing new or updated guidelines, NICE news and any interesting developments in clinical practice in primary care. I'm Emma Lambon and I'm an advanced nurse practitioner and a non-executive director for North Norfolk Primary Care and I'm here with my podcast partner Emma Smith. Hello, I'm Emma Smith, as Emma just said, and I'm an Advanced Nurse Practitioner and the Director of Clinical Services and Quality for North Norfolk Primary Care. So this podcast is in conjunction with the NICE Guideline monthly newsletter, which is distributed to all North Norfolk clinicians and beyond. Our monthly podcast can also be found on the NNPC website, which is nnpc.info. So Emma, what's new for us in primary care from NICE this month? Well, Emmett, this month we have five updates to NICE guidelines to discuss. Uh, That's covering pneumonia, thyroid disease, jaundice in babies, suspected cancer recognition and referral, and acute respiratory infections. And there's also a new NICE guideline to cover acute respiratory infection assessment and a new quality standard which covers virtual wards. And we also have some interesting clinical news on a new app for people suffering with non-specific lower back pain and developments on health inequalities in the management of sickle cell disease. Wow, that's a busy month. (laughs) So (laughs) let's get started with pneumonia in adults, diagnosis and management. So this is a 2014 publication and was updated on the 31st of October. Um, This guideline aims to improve accurate assessment and the diagnosis of pneumonia to help guide um, antibiotic prescribing and ensure that people receive the right treatment. Um, Recommendations on severity assessment outside hospitals have been particularly updated in this. So it's released on the 31st of October, but actually updated on the 2nd of November. Um, So a quick turnaround. Um, So it basically says that if a clinical diagnosis of community acquired pneumonia has been made, that you must carry out a risk assessment using the CRB65 scoring system for mortality risk in primary care. The CRB65 score is calculated by giving one point for each of the following prognostic features, such as, uh, so one is confusion, one is raised respiratory rate, which is 30 breaths or more per minute, um, low blood pressure, so a diastolic of 60 millimetres of mercury or less, or a systolic less than 90 millimetres of mercury, um, and age 65 years or more. So NICE um, goes on to recommend that we consider hospital assessment for people with a CRB score, 65 score of two or more um, and discuss the options with people with a score of one um, and make shared decision um, about the best pathways of care for them. For example, support at home-based care using virtual wards or community intervention team and consider home-based care for patients with a CRB 65 score of zero. Okay, that's really clear. Thanks, Emma. Yeah. Um, so that guideline also links into NG237 um, and that's the suspected acute respiratory infection in the over 16s assessment at first presentation and then initial management. Um, these recommendations are that people with symptoms and signs of an ARI who contacted the NHS services, whether remotely or in person, and in people with a suspected ARI were reminded to think, could this be sepsis? And we covered the sepsis guidelines before in one of our previous podcasts, so um, you can reflect back onto that. 
The guideline recommends offering self-care advice to people whose symptoms can be managed at home with the usual safety netting that we're all used to ensure they know the likely duration of their illness, when and how to seek medical help, for example, if symptoms worsen rapidly or significantly, or if don't, they don't improve over a specified time, or if they become systemically very unwell. So we should arrange or refer the person for a face-to-face -face assessment if uh, an adequate assessment cannot be made rem remotely. So for example, if that person has difficulty communicating. If a serious illness is suspected, for example, a pneumonia or you know, non-infective causes and signs, for example, a PE, or if they have a comorbidity that might be exacerbated by an ARI, for example, they're immunocompromised. So any decision regarding the urgency of a face-to-face -face assessment and where to refer should be based on the severity of symptom and the rate of the deterioration. The guideline advises that we do not routinely prescribe antimicrobials based on a remote assessment alone unless that person knows when and how to seek further medical help and there is sound reason to prescribe remotely. Um, so for example, if the person could not or would find it very difficult to attend a face-to-face -face appointment or the severity of the illness can be adequately assessed remotely, uh, and the risk of an alternative diagnosis is very low. And you as a prescriber feel confident that antimicrobials are needed. Okay, thanks Emma. That's um, clear and uh, quite concise with regards to that, that aspect of the guidance. Um, the guidance also links um, to seven new quality standards, um, which uh, are basically, sta statement one is adults first presenting with suspected acute respiratory infection, should have a documented assessment of signs and symptoms. Um, statement two is that adults um, first presenting with an ARI are not routinely prescribed antimicrobials based only on a remote assessment, although there are caveats to that. Um, statement three, adults prescribed an antibiotic for an ARI are given a five-day course or five to 10 days if um, pen penicillin is prescribed for acute sore throat. Um, statement four, Adults admitted um, to uh, ARI virtual ward are given verbal and written information about the service. Statement five is um, if adults are admitted to an ARI virtual ward, they are cared for by the multidisciplinary team and that they have access to advice and diagnostics, which is led by a named consultant practitioner or GP. Um, uh, quality statement six um, basically says that adults admitted to an ARI virtual ward are supported to self-manage and also uh, understands and has self-escalation -escal plan. Um, and quality statement seven, so the final one, is that um, once adults are discharged from an ARI virtual ward, that they are given a discharge summary, which includes um, specific follow-up details that is also shared with the GP. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so now let's move on to jaundice in newborn babies, um, and that's babies under 28 days. So first published in 2010, this guideline has just been updated, and that's important for us to remember as jaundice is one of the most common conditions needing medical attention in newborn babies. Um, jaundice refers to the yellow coloration of the skin and sclerae, the whites of the eyes that's caused by the accumulation of bilirubin in the skin and the mucous membranes. 
and approximately 60% of term and 80% of preterm babies do develop jaundice in the first week of life and about 10% of breastfed babies are still jaundiced at one month. So this guideline has an updated recommendation to highlight that skin pigmentation changes may be harder to see in darker skin. And there's a really good threshold table of bilirubin levels dependent on the age of the baby to help guide clinicians. Okay, that sounds great. Thanks, Emma. Um, so let's now move swiftly on to thyroid disease <laughs> and the new recommendations in assessment and management, which are um, pertinent to us in primary care. The aspects of this guideline, um, which covers investigating all suspected thyroid disease and managing primary thyroid disease, um, doesn't cover managing thyroid cancer or thyroid disease in pregnancy. There's a really useful visual aid to download or print on these recommendations for monitoring, monitoring hypothyroidism in adults, so it's really worth having a look. Um, but the new recommendation on the potential for biotin to interfere with the results of um, thyroid function tests um, is, is highlighted. Biotin is increasingly found in dietary supplements which are taken for hair, skin and nails. So it's useful to get, gain this information from patients as to whether or not they're taking this supplement. Um, so because that may well cause tests to be falsely increased or falsely decreased, leading to inappropriate patient management or misdiagnosis. So NICE recommends that patients should be routinely asked about biotin use before ordering any thyroid function tests. Okay, good for us to keep on top of and uh, ask our patients. Thank you, Emma. Um, the final guideline update this month relates to cancer recognition and referral. So that's NG12, Suspected Cancer Recognition and Referral, which was published in 2015 and updated at the beginning of October. So this guideline covers identifying children, young people and adults with symptoms that could be caused by cancer. And it outlines appropriate investigations in primary care and a selection of people to refer to for specialist opinion. It includes the definition of suspected cancer pathway referral in line with the NHSE's standard on faster diagnosis of cancer. So that's in which the person is to receive a diagnosis or a ruling out of cancer within 28 days of being referred urgently by their GP. And for suspected cancer, this is in line with the NHS's England standard on faster cancer diagnosis, which we discussed yeah. last month. Um, there's also an excellent table of common results findings, which we would find in primary care, and then linked through to possible cancers. And uh, NICE have recommended actions in there, which is particularly useful. So that's mm. worth having a look at. Yeah, well. thanks, Emma. I've had a look at that. That is really, really useful. Um, so finally now to two items of clin clinical interest news this month. People with non-specific low back pain could be offered access to health apps, which can assist them in the management of, of their condition following NICE's project information on digital technologies. Um, the NHS long-term plan states that low back and neck pain is the greatest cause of years of loss of years lost to disability with chronic joint pain or osteoarthritis affecting over 8.75 million people in the UK. And low back pain is the leading cause of disability in the UK and it's attributable attributable <laughs> attributable no, whatever, um, to um, 1,434.66 years lived with disability per 100,000 population. 
Um, the majority of non-emergency low back pain cases are managed in primary care, which has a limited workforce and capacity and resources to meet the needs of all of those patients. So any um, introduction of digital technology for low back pain can provide rapid access to special advice and guidance, remote pain management programmes, which includes physical activity, activity recommendations and psychological therapy via web-based applications and digital platforms, so specifically the way forward really. Um, and the potential of this is that it could reduce waiting lists and GP physio appointment demands. Okay, excellent. Um, and finally, for this month, one of interest regarding developments on health inequalities for the management of sickle cell disease and managing acute painful episodes in hospital. The report highlights that poor sickle cell services could have an impact on the group of people who experience this condition. And it highlights this by way of addressing calls to NHS trusts to adopt guidance to help and to ensure that those experiencing a sickle cell crisis can access medical attention in a timely manner. So it aims to reduce variation in how acute episodes are managed in hospital and focus on effective, prompt and safe pain relief. Mm, it's an important, um, important aspect, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's really good. Great, thank you, Emma. So I think that's all we have time for this month. Thank you for listening. Um, and just a reminder to take, look at, take a look at our, uh, our website. So that's on www.nmpc.info for further links to our previous podcasts and access to the monthly newsletter. And indeed, just an overview of, of the work that NMPC does. Um, so that's it. Bye for now. We'll be back next month with more nice updates for you all. Bye.